Hello, welcome to this edition of the Sowing and Reaping Audio Podcast. I am actually recording from the office of the Calvary Baptist Church here in Hartsville, Alabama, where I'm preaching a revival meeting this week with my dear friend, Pastor Mike Eaton. And a revival meeting has been going great thus far. We've seen one uh, young man come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we praise the Lord for that today. And today we're going to be looking at the book of Romans, chapter number four. And so if you got your Bibles nearby, uh, let's turn to the book of Romans, chapter number four, and begin reading today in verse number one. And we'll go down through verse number eight. The book of Romans, chapter number four, verse number one, down through verse number eight. The Bible says, What shall we say then? that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. And so I'm going to read for the sake of time today. May God add his blessings to the reading of the word of God here today. As we begin reading, we find out in this study that the Apostle Paul, he just finished nailing shut the lid on a coffin of the law. And I thank God today that we're not living under the law, but we are living under grace. He has told us in no uncertain terms that the law cannot save and that salvation comes only through faith in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I believe this truth and we rejoice in it. Unfortunately, though, not everyone believes the cardinal doctrines of the faith. Many of the people who would read Paul's letter to the Romans would not accept these things as fact. Therefore, the Apostle Paul, he calls a witness to the stand as he continues to defend his message of salvation by grace through faith. And the Apostle Paul, he calls none other than that man by the name of Abraham. Back in verse number one, this man is revered by over one half of the world's population. In our day, Abraham is held in high esteem by Jews, Muslims, and Christians. In Paul's day, many people, but especially the Jews, considered Abraham almost worthy of their worship. So, if the Apostle Paul were going to appeal to any one person to support his case, it would be Abraham. And since Paul felt led to use Abraham as an example of one who lived by faith, it is only appropriate that we take time to consider this fact as well. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let's look into these eight verses now and witness firsthand the faith of Abraham. As we do, I ask you to check up on your own faith. Be sure that your faith is a salvation that is based entirely in faith, because anything less than that, my friend, is not salvation at all, but is at best deception and at worst damnation. And with that being said, I want to bring the thought today on the subject, Abraham's faith or the faith of Abraham. And so let's look now back in verse number two of our chapter in Romans chapter four, and you'll find the rumor of Abraham's faith. The Bible said, for if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. You see, my friend, the Jews held Abraham up as the premier example of a man who'd been saved by his works. They believed that he was the epitome of a life that was lived right. 
They believed that God accepted and justified Abraham because he had earned it. But the Apostle Paul tells us here that if that were true, that is, if there is a note of truth to the rumor that Abraham had been made right by his works, then Abraham had the right to crow. Abraham, Abraham could have stuck his chest out just a little bit and say, cock-a-doodle-doo, look what, what I did, look at what I have accomplished, just look at me. And friend of mine, let me say this, if this were true, then we would have to respect and hold Abraham up as a perfect example of righteousness. In other words, he would deserve all the acclaim that we could give him. And friend of mine, the same is true in our day as well. There are denominations all around us who, in one way or another, claim to be saved by their works be a, a Catholic who thinks he has to go to Mass, or the Seventh-day Adventist who thinks he has to refrain from eating certain foods, or the person who believes that he is safe by faith, but that he has to keep himself safe by his good works. All of these people, my friend, would have the right to brag about their righteousness if they have earned it for themselves. Sadly, however, all of these people are graveyard dead wrong. They are wrong because, friend of mine, when he, we come to faith, God's way, there would be no boasting in the flesh about what we have done. There will only be boasting in Jesus and what he did for us. And friend, you cannot get saved by works, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of works. It is the gift of God, uh, unless any man should boast. Now, don't you notice the last phrase of this verse? It says, but not before God, but not before God. What Paul is saying here is that even if this were true and Abraham was somehow justified by his works, God is not impressed by his works. You see, it's like this. We are conditioned to perform from the time we are small children. We learn that good deeds and good performance provides rewards and they give us a sense of accomplishment and even self-assurance. And while the good things we do may prosper us in the flesh and the eyes of men, it will do nothing for us in the eyes of Almighty God. Why? Because God does not look on the outside. God looks on the heart. Amen. First Samuel 16, 7 says, uh, Man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And no matter what we do in this world, we are always judged by what we did last. You ask any football coach and he will tell you that no player is any better than his last game. That is why works won't work. Amen. Works won't work because works will not last. You have to do more and more and more and eventually you'll reach your limit and come to the end of what you can actually do. Then when you can't do no more, what are you going to do then? If I'm saved by my good works, then I have to keep doing good works and even better works every single minute of my entire life. And friend of mine, if I don't, uh, then I am doomed forever. That, my friends, is a pressure that no human has to live under. You think about this for a moment. Muhammad Ali, he was considered by many one of the greatest boxers of all time. He will always be remembered for his great victories. However, he could not do those things as he got older. Why? Because he lived in a body that was ravaged by the effects of Parkinson's disease, and he simply could not be the boxer that he used to be. Does that change the fact that he was a great boxer? Absolutely not. The reality of who Ali was does not hinge on what he was as he got older. His worth had nothing to do with the fact, my friend, that he could float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. But as he got older, he shook like a leaf on a tree and even had trouble speaking a coherent sentence. And people will always remember him as a great fighter. However, though, if he crawled back into the ring as he got older and tried to fight, he would 
would have easily been defeated and the world would have remembered him as a sad old washed up has-been. Ali did not have a thing to prove to humanity. His fame didn't depend on what he could do. It was all about who he was. And what a lesson that is that the church needs to learn. The bottom line is this, my friend. God is not impressed with your works. He's not impressed with my works. All that touches God is our faith, and faith is the only thing that will save the human soul. And so the rumor of Abraham's faith was that he worked his way into heaven, and that's just not so, my friend. Abraham's faith was not based on works. Abraham's faith was based on faith in Almighty God. So we find, first of all, in Abraham's faith, the rumor of his faith. But secondly, today, we find in verses 3 and 5, uh, 3 through 5, the reality of Abraham's faith. Uh, the Bible says, For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. We find here the reality of Abraham's faith. Now the Apostle Paul, he tells us the real basis of Abraham's salvation. Simply stated, Abraham believed God and God saved Abraham. Amen. When Abraham was an 85-year-old man, a childless man, by the way, the Lord came to him and told him that he would have children. As a matter of fact, God told him that his descendants would eventually outnumber the stars that Abraham could see overhead. And that's found in Genesis 15. And if that sounds crazy to you, here is something even crazier. Abraham actually believed God. Amen. Abraham actually believed God. The Bible tells us that this faith in the word of God was considered the basis for Abraham's righteousness. In other words, because Abraham believed God, God saved his soul. Amen. The word counted here means to credit one's account and to treat them accordingly. Friend of mine, I'm telling you right now, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. And when we place our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, God credits our account in the bank of heaven with the righteousness of Christ and then he treats us just like he would treat Jesus. Amen. Hot dog and hallelujah friend of mine. I'm glad that when we place our faith in God he counted us as righteousness. Amen. However if we do not open our account in heaven with the deposit of faith and we try to secure God's favor by substituting our own righteousness then we will be treated just like we deserve to be treated and friend we will be sent away to a devil Hell. And the whole point Paul is trying to make here is summed up in verses 4 and 5. He tells us that if we are saved by good works, then God is just paying off his debt to man when he saves sinners. And friend of mine, God owes us not a thing. Imagine going to work one week and on payday, the boss comes by and hands you your check and says, here is your gift. Why? You would say, gift nothing. I earned that check by my works. And the same is true of salvation. If I'm saved because I have earned it, then I can brag about my goodness. If that is the case, my friend, you're not saved by grace because God owes it to you. Uh, God owes it to you for what you have done. He owes nothing uh, to us. Amen. That's false salvation. You can count on the fact that God will never be indebted to any one of us. But look in verse number five. It goes on to tell us that even the ungodly person who believes on God in God by faith will be saved. Can you see it yet? He said, um, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. It never has been, nor will it ever be, 
about works. It is always and always will be about faith. Friend of mine, there, if there is anything attached to your salvation besides Jesus Christ, then you need to be saved because your brand of salvation will not get you into heaven. It is all about Jesus Christ. It's all about faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Faith is all that will save the soul of the sinner. And what blesses me as I read this is the fact that I don't have to get good before I can come to God. You notice the word ungodly. God isn't sitting in heaven saying, I wish that boy or that girl, that man or that woman would get his life on track and start living for me. I sure would like to save him. No, God's not like that. If that were the case, then we would all go to hell. I'm glad that Jesus told us how to come to him when we called to him just like we are we can come to him just like we are amen friend i'm glad to know that i can come to him just as i am and he will save me just like i am and he'll make me a newborn creature in christ amen thank god that's how god sees us before we're saved uh, friend when i place my faith in jesus i am placed into christ and no man is able to take me out of my father's hand thank god when he sees me he sees the blood of the lamb so many people they are so close but still so far away from understanding the truth of this matter. And the matter is whether or not you trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. And the reality is that Abraham believed God and was counted to him for righteousness sake. And so we see Abraham's faith. We see the rumor of Abraham's faith. They thought that Abraham worked his way into heaven. Friend of mine, you cannot work your way into heaven. You must be saved by grace through faith. We see the reality of Abraham faith. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. We just simply have to believe God. But last of all, we find in verses six through eight, we see the results of Abraham's faith, the results of Abraham's faith. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto uh, whom God imputeth righteousness without work, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Amen. Because we find the results of Abraham's faith, because Abraham reacted in faith to the promises of God, there were certain results in his life that are worthy of our notice. The Apostle Paul is going to illustrate the principles he has just mentioned regarding Abraham's faith. He is going to use David to illustrate his point. He quotes David in his prayer from Psalm chapter 32 and verse number 2 where you said blessed is the man on whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whom whose spirit there is no guile. In these verses, Paul reveals three great results that becomes ours when we trust Jesus Christ for salvation. These are definitely worth noticing in verse number seven, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Thank God, friend, sins are forgiven. The word sin away simply means this. It simply means, my friend, in a very real sense, when we receive Christ as our Savior, our sins are forever physically removed removed from our lives. How, how, how far is our sins cast? They are cast into the depths of the sea of God's forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. Amen. I thank God, friend of mine, that our sins and our iniquities, he will remember no more when we're saved by the grace of Almighty God and we put our faith and trust in the Lord. Our sins are forgiven. Our sins are covered. 
The word covered means uh, covered so completely that they can never be uncovered. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ is so powerful that it covers all sin. His blood covers all sins, past, present, and future, have all been covered by the blood of the darling Lamb of God if you've placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, that is why I believe I am saved forever. If my future sins can send me to hell, then I'm not really saved. It's either all, it's either all or none, and all means all. And thank God all of my sins, my friend, are covered by the blood. Thank God. Hallelujah. Hot dog and Yahoo too. My sins are covered. I'm covered. I'm covered by the blood of the crucified one. Amen. Our sins are forgiven. Our sins are covered. That's the results of Abraham's faith. His sins were forgiven. His sins were covered. But then we find our sins are not counted against us. The word imputed means to credit to one's account and to treat it accordingly. It is the same word that is used in verse number five. It means that once you trust Christ for salvation, your sins will never be credited to your account because they have already been credited to his account. Amen. Second Corinthians 5 21 says, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In the final analysis, we have been forgiven. We have been covered, amen, and our sins are no longer charged to our account. And that's something to praise God about, amen. That is a tremendous blessing. That is enough to make anybody want to shout amen three times right there if you've ever been saved by the grace of God. Thank God the same faith that Abraham had is the same faith that we can have, and Abraham's faith proves that you can be saved by grace through faith and be saved by the grace of God. And as I close today, let me say this. As we think about what we have learned about salvation, we need to try to bring it all together now. So just for a moment, think about this with me. Imagine that you owed a bank $1 million and that you agreed to repay this debt at the rate of $10 per week. Then one week, when you went to the bank and handed over your $10, the teller checked your account and informed you that maybe Bill Gates had been there and paid your account in full and had deposited $1 million into your account. Why, friend of mine, you would shut the house down. Not only are you no longer in debt, but now you also have riches that you not could not before have imagined. And friend of mine, that's exactly what Jesus Christ did when you got saved by the grace of God in salvation. He paid our debt and then, thank God, he credited our account with his righteousness so that now we are the sons of God and are right in the eyes of the Father in heaven. We, what a standing is ours. Oh, what a Savior is mine. The emphasis of these verses is that faith and works are mutually exclusive. Works are fine, but they will never save your soul. It is faith and faith alone that makes us right with Almighty God. And any time, my friend, we try to mingle these two together, we create an abomination and our works always negate our faith. So as we reach the end of these thoughts, which is it for you? Is it faith or is it works? Let me remind you again of the words of the Apostle Paul. He said, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Let's see any man should boast. Salvation, my friend, is purely a work of faith. And so what is it? Thank God, friend, when we got saved by the grace of God, not only did Jesus Christ pay our 
our sin debt, but thank God he gave us more than we could ever bargain for. He gave us more than we can ever imagine. I've got more to go to heaven for than what I did yesterday. Thank God when I got saved by the grace of God, my friend, he gave me more than what I was when I, what I was bargained for, he gave me more than I expected. I've got all of this in heaven too. Thank God uh, for the faith that Abraham displayed. And that same faith you can display today if you've never been saved. And if you have been saved, thank God that God gives us faith that we can trust in him. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. This has been Brother Walter Terrell with the Sowing and Reaping Audio Podcast. And I hope and trust that wherever you may be listening at right now, I pray that you have a great rest of your day or night just on purpose.